Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library. And today we have another great guest on because, you know, when you think about entrepreneurship, sometimes people think of, you know, we're just doing this just to make money. But there are so many organizations that are great businesses, but they have a phenomenal mission of the great things that they're doing. So I'm excited to bring Dale Smith on and we're going to talk about his business. So stay tuned for the episode. So without further ado, let me bring my guest on, Dale. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate the invitation to be here. I'm doing well and um, just excited for our conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think you know, it's such an amazing thing with the way you know LinkedIn and other social media platforms work, because I would say, had I not seen the post, I'm not sure if we would have like connected. <laughs> yeah, well, especially with me, I'm a heads down kind of guy. Uh, I'm not really out there in front and uh, in center. I like to be behind the scenes, getting things done. But my people that work with me are like, listen, you got to get out there. You got to do some posts. And half the time I post the stuff, half the time they post the stuff. But good things happen from doing it, just like us meeting. And so uh, clearly it's just a way of doing business these days. You, you got you to gotta utilize social media. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, before we jump into, like I said, the details of, you know, your business and, and I, I definitely want to revisit the post that I saw of how we met. But can you tell us a little bit about your background? Mm. Like many people, it's nonlinear. So uh, I've, I've been here as the co-founder and CEO of Acclinate for about two and a half years now. And uh, uh, as I was starting Acclinate, I was actually uh, a, the dean of a, of a business school of HBCU, Alabama A&M University in Huntsville. So I was dean for six years there, uh, had uh, previous six years in academia at a university in upstate New York. My PhD is in, in management MIS from the University of Alabama, roll tide. I got to throw that out there. Um, and and uh, so that's the academic side of the house. But this is actually my third uh, venture, uh, my first um, venture-backed company. The, uh, the previous two were bootstrap. Had an exit on my last company. And so before getting to academia, I was in the, the entrepreneurial world for a while. And, and even backtracking there, I spent some time in corporate working for some Fortune 10 companies and specifically in the healthcare space, McKesson, and, um, and then served in the military for a period of time as well to the United States Army. So if you kind of plot that over time, it doesn't look like it's all that connected. It's definitely not linear. But uh, what I will tell you is that every single one of those journeys made sense into where I am today. And, uh, and and I'm able to connect the dots to understand what I learned through those experiences. And I think it helps me with, with my current position. You know, I think that's awesome because through all of the interviews that we've done on the show, and I think, you know, at this point we've done, what, in the past 18, what, 19 months now, we've probably done what, I think when I was looking at the numbers, it was like 478 interviews. And in all of the conversations, what I find is, you know, the nonlinear path becomes like, that's like the, 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 the unique normal is what I'll call it, is everyone has their nonlinear path, but it, that tends to be a very common thing for people who become entrepreneurs. I mean, now... I'm very interested, you know, going from entrepreneurship, like I said, when you exited in, like I said, in the world of academia, how was it going from, like I said, entrepreneurial mindset going in, into academia? <laughs> That's a really good question. 
I think it boils down to the core of what it is that you bring in terms of a value to an organization or to entity. And for me, uh, it really boils down to, I think, two things. It's getting results and treating people right. And so uh, I find, found that that particular value proposition can, can apply across various different, you know, contexts and organizations. I've yet to try that in a not-for-profit organization, but I'm sure it will have some value. But, but then you kind of get to, it's not just about like your skill set and your value, but what also aligns with your passion. And what I will say about academia, I, was, I think I was very successful in that space. The university brought me in to get the business school accredited. Uh, we were able to accomplish that in record time by those two things, right? Getting results and treating people right, because it takes a team, but you also have to hit outcomes. But what, after a period of time, what happened is I recognized that the passion wasn't there, right? I was, I appreciated getting students through to the finish line, graduation, uh, but I really wanted to know that uh, with my time being numbered on earth, like everybody's is, of course, that I did everything I possibly could to try to make a significant impact in the world. And so that's where I think I was led more to my current venture here with Acclimate. Gotcha. I, nope, I completely understand that. So, you know, it's always very interesting to hear, you know, that side of the story because there, when it comes down to entrepreneurship, and as you said, to, to make your mark on the world, there's so many options that, to choose from. And that sometimes I think some people get paralyzed by the amount of options you know, so how was that process for you to really come down and understand like, hey, here's the next angle that I'm going to take to make my mark on the world and with entrepreneurship? Yeah, I, I heard a podcast this morning that kind of talked about not really starting your business with a very specific idea, <laughs> that just kind of start in a general industry and try to find where the demand was for a problem that was unmet. And, um, you know, you know while I, I don't agree with that approach wholeheartedly, totally, I do believe there's some level of truth to that, which is for me and my personal experiences and my background, I had a mom uh, who suffered from tuberculosis when I was younger. She passed away and, and I was exposed to this healthcare system that I, that I knew wasn't working the same for everybody. And when she passed away, I went looking for my biological father and I found him, but he had died of cancer the year before that. And every single male on his side of the family died of cancer. So there was this aspect of just kind of understanding that, one, we need to be empowered about our health and two, that our healthcare system isn't quite as equitable as it should be for us. And that was a seed that was planted a while back. And so when it came for me, knowing that I had one more venture in me, I said the third time is going to be the, the best time to charm. Uh, I entered that not really knowing exactly the idea I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to be aligned with my passion. I knew I wanted to be in healthcare. I knew I wanted to make a positive change on a system that, you know, had many opportunities for improvement, but I didn't know specifically what I wanted to do. And so, but it wasn't until I made the decision to say, I'm going to start this company and people would say, well, what are you going to do exactly? And I didn't have a good answer for it. But what I knew is that I was going to go in and, and shake the trees and to, to look at the way things have been done and try to identify a problem set that I could bring a solution to that was in line with with my core abilities as well as my passion. I think we found that. Nice. I love it. I love it. So tell the audience a little bit more about just kind of like, you know, that passion that you did find and the problem that you guys are tackling. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, you know, right now the pharmaceutical industry uh, has this issue with diversity in clinical trials, right? And, and part of this, they go to individuals to say, hey, you don't know me, but would you like to be part of a clinical trial? And, and particularly if you're talking about underrepresented minority groups, the answer is typically like, hell no, because we're thinking about things like Tuskegee, right? Henrietta Lacks. And so we really looked at this and said, industry, you're going about this wrong, right? You treat people as a transaction and you really need to be coming to people and saying, would you like to learn more about health related issues that might impact you and your family? And then you help educate and engage and empower people. But ultimately, you leave it up to them to make a decision about whether they want to take part in any type of clinical research or clinical trial. Right. Because you got to build up trust first. But you have the opportunity to use the data to help you make determinations as to who to ask and when to ask and how to ask using analytics and AI and ML. And so that was a solution that we created and that we've created with Aquinate uh, is do this just that. So what we're trying to do is create more health equity when it comes to clinical research so that we don't have drugs that are being created that don't work the same for everybody. And unfortunately, there's too many examples of that. Albuterol, people know about albuterol. It doesn't work the same for 47% of blacks and 67% of Puerto Ricans. And that partially explains why young black children are dying of asthma at three to four times the rate because the medicine that they're taking is not working the same for them. Unfortunately, that's too common, and we're not able to detect that in enough time because we don't have enough diversity in the trials. Wow. You know, and, and that's, I would say, speaking from a finance person's perspective, my background is accounting and finance, and, and one of the things that I have, you know, noticed in when I work with big companies and making, like I said, decisions like that, a lot of times if, if people are looking at it just purely from an aggregate numbers perspective or financial perspective, you know, they miss the opportunity to do exactly what you're, you're talking about of really giving people the solution that they need, which does require you, like I said, to go a level deeper than just the aggregate average person. Because like I said, if, if a drug isn't working for a significant population within subgroups, then there probably is a lot of work that needs to be done on a, on a, on a lower level to see, okay, all right, how can we address that? So what would, what has it been like in introducing, like I said, the solution that you guys provide to, you know, companies and, and your customers and how has it been helping them understand the value that you deliver? Yeah. There's a really good uh, video from a professor. I can't remember the school, but he was looking at the number one variable that that dictates the success of any new company. And it wasn't the team. It wasn't the entrepreneur. It came down to timing. Right. It came down to being able to introduce a solution to the market at the right time, not too early, but also not too late. And I think that same thing happened for us. So we we started acclimate pre pandemic and pre civil and social unrest. And there wasn't the same type of reception. <laughs> But all of a sudden you have a pandemic that hits issues of health equity. People start talking about clinical trials, understanding the importance of that in the process. And then you have the civil and social unrest where these issues of uh, Black Lives Matter and, and right really comes to light. And it was a culmination of those two that had it to where it was really a tailwind. Unfortunately, it was such a horrible time in our, in our country and still is. But for us as a business, it was a tailwind for us. And so if those things hadn't happened, I mean, I just don't frankly think we would have the same level of traction that we have to date. So timing is something. I mean, I, I wish you could say that was all planned, but unfortunately, that's the aspect of it that's, that's not planned. And we know of many businesses that it, it was just too early and it wasn't the right time or it wasn't the right things in place to really uh, take off. And, and we were fortunate that that we've got some, some tailwind and again, a horrible time for our country, but a good a good opportunity for our business. 
Mm -hmm. And you know, that's an interesting point that you bring up because, you know, it's one of those things that I think that, you know, it makes it very interesting to, for the reality of, hey, all of your success is not based on, hey, your skill, how hard you can work, how, what you can deliver, how many features, that timing is something that's not in your control. And so it's one of those things I think about for a lot of entrepreneurs that are, you know, feeling bad or, or they're, they're putting all of the pressure on themselves, but they don't understand timing. You know, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, how did you get comfortable with just accepting that reality that, hey, timing is something I don't control, but it is a huge factor in whether or not this succeeds. I think this is where the risk taking comes into play <laughs> with I mean, if you're sitting there and it looks like the timing is all lined up and you're like, now's the time to buy that Bitcoin. Right. Or now's the time to get that real estate. <laughs> then others have had that idea probably about the same time, at least in mass or the earlier innovators have already taken advantage of that. And so I think there's something to be said if I'm, if I'm really trying to be innovative and take part of this market and do something different than what has been done before, there's a level of risk involved. And so the timing, I mean, you're probably not going to be as fortunate to have this timing match up perfectly. Uh, when I started the company, um, pre all this, I was putting significant money and time, <clears throat> my own money, my own time into it. And, but it was under this impression of like, listen, I'm going to make a significant investment. I believe I have a solution here, but ultimately the market is going to tell me whether it's signing off or not. And so I'm not going to try to force a solution on the market that that they're just not ready for or they're not willing to entertain at this point. And so I think there's an element of that where you have to realize I've got to take these resources that I have and I've got to make this investment off of a, a belief I have. But if the timing is not there and the market is not ready, at some point I have to throw the white flag up and say, maybe I need to go back to the drawing board. And that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, but I think to really go into this in the, in the right mindset, you have to kind of be thinking like that. Nice, nice, nice. No, I, I completely agree. And so I'm curious as, you know, you you, you found a, a, a problem, the timing has worked out. I mean, as far as the investment you were putting in into this, how has it been really, like I said, developing, like I said, the team and the other people that to, to help you, you know, continue to push this vision forward and to continue to provide a solution that the market is clearly asking for and needing? It's tough. <laughs> it's hard. And please, I want to say that first and foremost, there's no part of this is not difficult. I was in my office this morning at 430 in the morning, <clears throat> Okay, 430 in the morning. And that's because in addition to all the things we're trying to get done it, towards the end of the year, there's invoicing and there's there's you know, paying and there's all the other things that need to take place. And I didn't have three hours to spend throughout the day on administrative things. So guess what? I had to get up early to be here. So it's hard. And I think what makes it a little bit more challenging, at least in, in the context I can I can relate to, is that we're not creating a widget. We're dealing with very large pharmaceutical companies that have very established processes and ways of doing things. Right. So there's a certain level of inertia there. Part of our business solution is like a double sided marketplace. So we're doing B2B, but we also have B2C in order to provide the actual solution that works. And then to your point, building a team. I mean, that's the biggest thing that I have right now is, is boy, I have more positions I need to fill with great people than I actually have those people. And so part of my job is to try to, you know, stretch out as far as I can to find those folks to make it happen. But uh, it's, it's not easy. That's the point I want to leave. It's not easy. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Now, if people are interested in finding out more about, you know, the two companies, where can they find you guys? Where's the good place for them to go? Sure, absolutely. Well, one company, but but uh, uh, two different kind of approaches and brands. So acclinate.com, A-C-C-L-I-N-A-T.com is our, <clears throat> our, our forward-facing brand for uh, our interactions with the healthcare organizations and pharma industry. And that's where we talk to them and try to convince them that they need to have more equity in their clinical research and clinical trials and that we're a solution for that. But we really lean towards our community. We lean, and more specifically, we have a brand that we call Now Included. And our Now Included brand is our way of <clears throat> engaging with uh, particularly um, the Black population on issues related to health. And this is all about coming to a very safe place where you can be educated, engaged about health-related issues. And so it's through the, that, that combined interaction that we're able to kind of be in that middle marketplace and provide a solution both to be able to, for pharma to, to be able to understand how they can connect with and talk with minority populations, but also being there not as a transaction for the black community on issues of health, but really being there invested in wanting to see them improve in their conditions, uh, regardless of whether they decide to take part in a clinical trial or not. Awesome. I love it. I love it. And I think, like I said, the work that you're doing is, is definitely needed. And it's definitely not an easy task of building a business, but I think with building a business that has a has a mission, and like you said, you're working with clients, you know, pharmaceutical companies that have their established processes, and I, I bet that can't be easy at all. It is not, because you know, clearly ROI is an issue for them, right? And and the reality is that there are many well-intentioned people within these uh, large pharma organizations and healthcare organizations. Uh, but there, but it's a business. It, you know, it costs these companies about two billion dollars to get a drug to market, and that's with a B, two billion dollars to get a drug to market. Mm -hmm. And uh, what has been, you know, really the the greatest opportunity to interact with them and to see them do something different than what they've done before is because now the regulation is coming down saying if you don't have diversity in your clinical trials, you stand the chance of that drug not being approved by the FDA. So, you know, we love to think that people are acting because they just have good hearts, <clears throat> but sometimes it takes um, a combination of good hearts and, and good business sense for people to really move. And of course, uh, think about MLK and the, and, the, and the bus boycotts as a way of demonstrating that, right? Sometimes, you know, people listen with their pocket and their wallet, but regardless, I think the outcome is going to be better for our communities of color and specifically our black communities uh, as a result of it. So that's what we're excited to have a, a role in that process. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, before we wrap up, one question I always love asking every guest that comes on is when you think about, you know, your journey of where you've been and your the culmination of all your amazing experiences and even the vision that you have for where you're going. You know, what's two pieces of wisdom that you would share with other business owners? And it could be something you've said already that you want to reiterate or it could be something new. Yeah, I think I'll come back to that, that statement I, I made already uh, about getting results and treating people right. And, you know, I, our business is complicated, but if you boil it down, I mean, that's really where you get down to. Right. You got to get results. People have to see change. They have to get an ROI. Um, but at the same time, you've got to recognize that this that, that no matter how much technology you have, uh, or data that you have, this is really very much about people and relationships and lives. And so treat people right, get results. I think if you do those two things, you'll be very, very successful as an entrepreneur and in life in general. 
Awesome. I love it. Well, Dale, thank you so much for being an amazing guest for the show. Um, it's been a pleasure having you. I've uh, had a great time talking with you, and hopefully I said something of value to someone in the process. Thank you for tuning in to the Business Talk Library. If you like our content, be sure to follow us on social media. And if you want to see more of our exclusive content, you can subscribe and become a member on patreon.com forward slash business talk library. Hey, the business talk library is the place 